Hey, this is Zach Moss with the Indianapolis Coast, and you listen to the Fantasy Points Podcast. It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. I'm Joe Dolan, and welcome back to the Franchise Focus Podcast series on the Fantasy Points Podcast Network. We continue the Franchise Focus Podcast series with our third division, that being the AFC South. I've already previewed the AFC East and the AFC North. I hope everybody enjoyed those podcasts as much as I did. I hope everybody learned as much as I did, and I hope everyone was entertained as much as I did breaking down those two divisions. We have eight teams down following this round of podcasts. We'll have 12, and honestly, we're just going to keep on going until we're 32 down We're going to break them down alphabetically by division, so the AFC South will begin with the Houston Texans, then the Indianapolis Colts, then the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then finally the Tennessee Titans. So thank you for continuing to support the podcast uh, series. I hope uh, this is something that you'll make part of your pre-draft routine in 2023, your pre-training camp routine. Maybe you're doing best ball drafts right now and you're taking these nuggets to heart as I am. So thanks everybody for continuing to listen and let's continue with our breakdown of the AFC South. Joining me on today's franchise focus to discuss Houston Texans is Cody Stutes. He is the host of The Wheelhouse every weekday, 3 to 7 Central on ESPN 97.5 Houston. You can follow him on Twitter at Cody underscore Stutes. Cody, thank you so much. You are a repeat guest here on Franchise Focus, which means I really liked the, the contributions you, you made last year. And you were one of the easiest ones to schedule. So I really appreciate you coming. I like what you guys do. You guys are the best fantasy resource. There's so many different things. You get some gambling tips, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I get to kind of peek on these other franchises around the NFL when you're doing this too. So this is great. I love it. Uh, well, I appreciate you you gassing me up here on my own <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I'll uh, I'll um uh, I'll, I'll I'll throw you another subscription this year for, for just for that. Um, but I got to tell you, exciting times down in Houston. I think the Man, the, this- the, the the necessary purge that that took place following the Bill O'Brien fallout, obviously the Deshaun Watson fiasco. It seems like the Texans are on the up and up. And just before I get into specifics, what's kind of the vibe down there in Houston regarding the Texans? Most excitement since 2017 with this team. Mm-hmm. And 2017 was the year, obviously, they got Deshaun Watson. There was a Fugazi training camp quarterback battle, and halfway through the first game, Deshaun Watson's a starting quarterback. And he came in there, and he was – incredible he had one of the best rookie seasons for a quarterback in like seven games in 2017 so yeah there was some excitement in 2018 certainly for this team 2019 I think there was some apprehension on if Bill O'Brien was the guy and things started to fall apart after 2019 season 2020 was awful the DeAndre Hopkins trade and it's been a couple of years it's been a really couple of trying years for the Texans but the excitement level you get D'Amico Ryan's in here and he's a franchise legend and on top of that he was the most sought after candidate in the entire coaching cycle that got people excited you go out there you draft a quarterback at CJ Stroud and you make the Will Anderson investment a really interesting free agency class from Nick Casario better than what he had put together recently I've deemed it the era of good vibes in Houston 
I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't know when it's going to end. Probably week one when the Baltimore Ravens display a new Lamar Jackson-led offense and dominate you. But the era of good vibes are happening in Houston right now, baby. Uh, so D'Amico Ryans comes in, immediately changes the culture. I mean, Texan fans, I, I don't want to speak for them, but following two consecutive one-and-done coaches, and let's be frank, two consecutive coaches of color who were one-and-done, I mean, I would guess there would have been some apprehension of, about D'Amico Ryans coming in there and taking that job. The fact that he took that job in the first place really, I think, speaks to the love he has for the franchise, and that that seems to be reciprocated so far. And to even have a report come out ahead of the coaching cycle that yeah, D'Amico Ryans isn't really that interested in Houston, and then to find out that he had a meeting after a San Francisco 49ers practice with the Texans, and the finish to the meeting was, this is my dream job. I need this job. And to hear all that, I mean, every time he steps to the podium, it is a night and day difference. You have not had this much excitement for a head coach since Gary Kubiak finally got things going about a decade ago or over a decade ago with this team. And even Kubiak had to fight through the fact that he had some disappointing years. The excitement level, it's a billion-dollar smile that D'Amico Ryans has. The energy, the legitimacy that he talks about football compared to the previous two coaches, it is yeah. just incredible around Houston right now. What uh, His offensive coordinator, young guy Bobby Slowick, um, what is the anticipation of what his offense is going to look like? A – Clone of Kyle Shanahan's offense is sort of the hope and the desire. And I know there's a lot of love for the Shanahan offense, especially when you're at a talent disadvantage most weeks, which the Texans will find themselves in. Slowick is an intriguing guy. His dad was a longtime defensive coach, defensive coordinator in the league. He got his start on defense in Washington way back in the day, jumped over to offense under Kyle Shanahan, and has been a quick riser. If he'd stuck around in San Francisco, he'd have been the offensive coordinator. And you know some of the guys that have coached under Kyle Shanahan on offense that have jumped to some big-time positions. Slowick was in line for that, but the opportunity to be the top offensive mind in the building here in Houston was too much to pass up. And so I would hope that it's going to be some sort of Kyle Shanahan's offense with a little Bobby Slowick twist here and there. They've got some guys – on the staff that are intriguing guys. Quarterbacks coach Gerard Johnson was a long time kind of bounce around the NFL guy, and he's been climbing his way up the coaching ranks for the past few years. I'm really excited about Gerard. I actually hosted a radio show with him back in the day when he thought that mm. he was going to get into media. And incredible football mind. Elite 11 has trusted him with a lot of the quarterbacks over the years. So there's a lot of QB love with Gerard Johnson. And then some guys that are in interesting positions – like Shane Day and Bill Lazor. Both those guys have been fairly disappointing in their NFL careers in the past couple of seasons, haven't been able to hold down a job, but they're the old guys, so to speak, for this team right now because it's a lot of young guys and a lot of unproven guys on this offense. So go with what works. Go with that Shanahan offense. Run it. You should have a better offensive line in the past few years. Go out there, zone block people to death with Damian Pierce, and put the quarterback in a position to succeed. So uh, it's funny that you mentioned how excited people are about the Texans because I got to be honest with you, I'm like I'm excited to talk to you. I keep coming up with other questions, and you were talking about kind of like the misdirection, the will he, won't he, with D'Amico Ryan's when he was clearly the guy that um, Texans fans wanted and the Texans had targeted as their coach. We also around draft time, the will they, won't they draft a quarterback, and then turns out on draft day we don't even. 
I mean, there there was talk of, of C.J. Stroud falling out of the top 10. The Texans end up making the pick with C.J. Stroud. Was that their plan all along, or did the Will Anderson trade coming together, maybe the idea that they could trade with Arizona and make that deal, is that what enabled them to select C.J. Stroud? There was probably a belief in the Texans building that C.J. Stroud was going to go number one overall for, a, for at least a portion of the offseason, certainly when Carolina traded up. And the Texans at one time were obviously – negotiating to try to get the number one overall pick, which I believe they would have used on Bryce Young and not C.J. Stroud. Once Carolina gets the process that Carolina sort of fall in love with Bryce Young, they went with C.J. Stroud. I don't know how close Will Levis was. I don't know how close Anthony Richardson was, but it feels like the process led to them sort of falling in love with C.J. Stroud. And let me tell you, he's an impressive dude. Having been at the draft in Kansas City, watching some of the postgame or post-draft press conferences, watching how he handled himself, the excitement level. And then to your point, the Will Anderson thing coming together, it was the best of both worlds. They get a franchise quarterback, which is something the organization desperately needed. And then D'Amico Ryans, who coached a ton of first-round high-investment guys in San Francisco, gets his first-round defensive lineman. That's also a Casario favorite based on the way that he's talked about Will Anderson. They get both. That's why you have the ammunition. Yes, it's expensive, but let me tell you this. If the Texans are picking two, three, four next year, they're not one player away. That pick, yes, it would be valuable. Yes, it would help you. But there's a whole lot more wrong with the organization if they're picking one, two, three, or four next year. And I say they, the Cardinals are picking with the Texans pick next year. So I like the investment. I like the swing. It was necessary. Anderson's been a monster in OTA minicamp stuff, as much as a monster as you can be in no padded practice. And then with Stroud, you have a direction. You've started the engines finally on this organization after just wandering through nothingness for the past couple of years. So um, I think D'Amico Ryan said this is a quarterback competition between C.J. Stroud and Davis Mills. What did you see of that quote-unquote competition in, in OTAs and camps? So minicamp, the first day of mandatory minicamp, if you showed up, you didn't know anything about the team, you'd be like, well, they got two quarterbacks that could, you know, be right next to each other in a competition. Obviously, when you put context on it, it's Davis Mills going into his third season in the NFL and it's C.J. Stroud as a rookie. You're like, oh, okay, Davis Mills isn't going to play. And I feel like most people have maintained that. And then you come back for the second day of mandatory minicamp and C.J. Stroud's out there just making passes that the other two guys can't. Case Keenum's not a factor. Case Keenum's here for his mind. He's not here for his body. There's not a lot left there in the Case Keenum frame and the arm talent, things like that. But I do believe they're going to keep all three quarterbacks just because D'Amico Ryans went through the quarterback disaster in San Francisco, and Mills should be a nice backup. But the second day of minicamp, my goodness, C.J. Stroud, just beautiful, dropping in deep balls, and Mills is probably five yards in front of the wide receiver, and Keenum's five yards behind the wide receiver. And then there were a couple of throws over the two days of mandatory minicamp that C.J. Stroud made that Davis Mills just has not made with consistency in his NFL career. This is a Fugazi competition. This is set up so that Stroud defeats Davis Mills. I believe he'll defeat him in the middle of training camp, and they'll really start things going here with C.J. Stroud. And I would think by the time mandatory – or excuse me, by the time joint practices get here with the Dolphins 
and the Saints. C.J. Stroud is for sure unquestioned, the number one guy, maybe not even announced, but the actions will speak louder than the words. You're the first guy to ever use the word Fugazi twice on the same podcast here on the Fantasy Points Podcast Network. So I'll give you a Do I win something? What do I Uh, win? I I already told you I'm giving you a subscription. I'll re-up you in uh, in 2024 as well for dropping two Fugazis. Um, You mentioned Bobby Slowick's offense, Shanahan, zone blocking. That leans right into Damian Pierce. Um, Fantasy-wise, he's kind of going actually in a pretty similar range to where he was going at the end of last preseason when it was evident he was going to be the number one back. He's kind of a fifth, sixth-round pick, um, which I think is fair for him. Do you anticipate him being the slam-dunk lead here, or will there be a little bit more of a split with the, uh, I guess you would say, under-the-radar additions of Devin Singletary and Mike Boone? I am very interested to see if Bobby Slowick does some of the same things that Kyle Shanahan does with his running backs, because I can remember last year watching Christian McCaffrey carry an offense for what felt like 99 yards, and they get to the goal line, and here comes Eli Mitchell, and you're like, whoa, hold on mm-hmm. here. I didn't spend the draft pick. I spent on Christian McCaffrey. Get excited about him getting traded here to have somebody come in and vulture these touchdowns. Damian Pierce, though, makes it – almost impossible to not put him on the field with the ability to go through contact yards after contact. He is a guy that you can trust in the goal line. He is a guy that you can trust on a second and nine draw. Cause you're not really feeling the rookie quarterback on that day. I'm very excited to see what Damian Pierce does a healthy season from him should easily have him over a thousand yards. He should be the hammer at the goal line. I'm a little worried that maybe a, Putting the ball on the carpet here or there could have Devin Singletary worked in a little bit. Neither of these guys are great pass catchers from that standpoint. But the 49ers offense last year and over the past few seasons, they've thrown the ball to the running backs quite a bit. Well, one thing to worry about with Damian Pierce, his yards per reception is pretty low compared to some other running backs. I just don't know if that's Davis Mills and the situation of him getting the ball or if that's just Damian Pierce is not good at catching the football and running with it. He displayed it a lot last year in practice, but they didn't throw him the ball a ton in the game. 25% of targets in San Fran last year went to running backs. So I got to imagine that Pierce and Singletary are going to get a little bit of that. Pierce should be the guy, though, just by the virtue of he just makes it impossible to not put him on the field. And I wonder, too, with Singletary being there. They didn't have a guy they trusted last year to really have a bunch of reps. With Singletary being there, are you going to get an extended Damian Pierce? You're going to be able to get him for the entirety of the season. He ran out a little bit of gas last year. He got hurt. I know he could have come back if they had something to play for, but Pierce has never been a bell cow pretty much any time since he started playing in college football. He should be the bell cow this year. A little concerned about injuries, durability, but he played through some stuff last year. I'm excited for Pierce's season. He's one of the most exciting parts of this Texans team. Um, One of the reasons you would think they might get some more targets to that backfield is the fact that I don't think any, even the most optimistic of Texan fans would say that this is a quality wide receiver group. There's some pieces, but it's probably not uh, in the top half of the NFL's group. But you do have... John Mechie coming back, obviously, from from his tragic cancer diagnosis. He's working his way back. Uh, How optimistic are they about Mechie, and what kind of role could we expect to see him play this year? They have so many different pieces that replicate skills 
I'll be interested to watch the mixing and matching that is possible. Robert Woods can play inside-outside. John Mechie can play inside-outside. Tank Dell can play inside-outside. Noah Brown can play inside-outside. The only only outside guy they have really is Nico Collins, and he should be the guy that is for sure starting outside opposite whatever they do out there. Mechie's fascinating because Nick Casario clearly believed in him, traded up for him, picked him instead of George Pickens, the guy that went after him that had a lot of success as a rookie. And Mechie's a fun prospect. He can get deep out of the slot. He can beat guys on the outside. I believe they're going to use him. He had a little hamstring thing pop up here at the tail end of the offseason into some of these OTAs and mini camps. So he wasn't out there. But if he stays healthy, he should get opportunity. And whoever separates themselves is going to find opportunity in this offense. They're so much static movement where they just don't get guys open over the past couple of seasons when you watch the Houston Texans. Tim Kelly with the leftover shambles of a Bill O'Brien offense and what Pep Hamilton had last year. It was so much get to a spot, turn around, the ball's there. And Bobby Slowick and company are very much in the conversations about this and what you've seen, very much get guys the ball on the move, get them on a slant, get them on a out cutting down the field, get them the ball in the breadbasket over their shoulder so that yards after catch is something that exists in Houston yet again. And Mechie is the guy that I'm very excited to see. I trust him more than Tank Dell because I just believe he's got a little bit more versatility and the size is a little bit of a concern with me for Tank Dell. Noah Brown is fine, but it feels like Noah Brown is here as just a veteran option for this team. Mechie's an exciting player. I believe in him. Casario certainly believes in him. And really, Casario needs to get that Mechie pick right because to this point, Nico Collins has been a little disappointing to me in his NFL uh, career, and that's another wide receiver that Casario traded up to get. And really, honestly, this the, the Mechie situation and what they have, it all sort of stems from they got outmaneuvered in the draft a couple of years ago. I believe they were taking Jamison Williams. I very much believe they were taking Jamison Williams. The Lions jump up right in front of them and take Jamison Williams. I believe that was the guy because they were clearly okay with a slow start to the season because they had drafted Mechie, who was coming off a mm-hmm. leg injury before the cancer issue popped up. So they were clearly okay with the slow start to the season. They got outmaneuvered for Jamison Williams, so they didn't want to get outmaneuvered for Mechie. They traded up for him. Casario needs to hit that, and Mechie's got to make it pay off. And, oh, by the way, you have two good seasons, John Mechie, and next thing you know, you're getting a big contract because those second-round picks, they don't have that fifth-year option that extra year. So Mechie can get things going real fast for this Texans team. There should be a lot of opportunities for him. The top three Texans wide receivers getting drafted for fantasy are, and they're all going extremely late, are Mechie, Collins, and and then Robert Woods, who, I mean, I'm not sure how much he has left in the tank. If you had to wager which of those guys would get the most targets, who would it be? Dalton Schultz? <laughs> I yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to ask you <laughs> yeah. about Schultz then, too, but uh, uh, of the three receivers, and then we'll get to yeah. Schultz. Yeah, so th- that's that's the toughest part to figure out is who's going to lead the wide receiver room in receptions and really even in targets as well because, look, Nico Collins, if you came out to a Texans practice, you'd be like, damn, they got something in Nico Collins. Yeah. That guy is one of the best practice players I've ever watched in my entire life. He dominates people in practice. I'm very excited to see him in joint practices uh, come August, but they've got the Saints and they've got um, the Dolphins on the schedule for joint practices. Let's see if he beats those guys up in practice because he takes care of the Texans on a regular basis in practice, and then it's not there on Sundays. I know what the pace says 
for Nico Collins last year prior to the injury, but this guy's always hurt. He got hurt his rookie year, drastically affected his development. He got hurt again last year. And so Nico's durability is a concern for me. If healthy, he should be the guy that gets the majority because there's the most juice to him combined with experience. Robert Woods has all the experience in the world. I just don't know that Robert Woods has got any juice left in him. I just don't know that there's a lot of run and catch from Robert Woods. Uh, Noah Brown is a is a depth guy. And then Mechie and Dell, and, you know, Mechie's, it's his second year, but he's not played in the NFL yet. So he's essentially a rookie. Tank Dell is a rookie. And so I think it's just kind of mixing and matching with everybody beyond Collins and Woods. Woods and Collins, two wide receiver sets. Those are your outside guys. Take your choice on who the third wide receiver is and three wide out sets. That's not going to be totally clear until you start seeing some things start to shake out. But Nico Collins, if healthy, should be the guy that is the leader in most of the wide receiver categories here for the Texans. So uh, you, you mentioned Dalton Schultz. We already talked about Damian Pierce. Those are the two guys who are being drafted the most in fantasy leagues, the highest in fantasy leagues. I would wager a guess that in fantasy leagues, like I'm doing best ball leagues that are 18, 20 rounds deep. I would wager to guess that in the fantasy league, you might be in with your buddies. That is 13, 14 rounds. They might be the only two Texans getting drafted. Dalton Schultz, we, I think it's, a, it, it's an overused crutch. Oh, the tight end is the quarterback's best friend. But are you kind of getting that vibe from, from minicamps and OTAs that Dalton Schultz and C.J. Stroud are clicking? And Dalton Schultz, in a pretty talented Cowboys offense, found himself with 57 receptions last year. The clear cut, unquestioned, nobody's got a question about it. Number one wide receiver for the Texans last year was Brandon Cooks. He had 57 catches. And so I just, I just very much believe that the style of offense, you look at what George Kittle has used, and how he's used in a San Fran offense. Now, Schultz isn't Kittle, but they clearly have an emphasis on the tight ends in this offense, and he is a guy that, oh, okay, he starts in line, you flex him out to sort of that slot, and then he's got a weird matchup that he can take advantage of. I mean, I tell you what, the dude gets open. There was a play in, in mandatory minicamp. C.J. Stroud threw an interception. Okay, threw an interception to uh, Eric Murray, one of the backup safeties, and – and it was a pick six. The guy made a great play, took it back for a touchdown, and struck came back a couple plays, little beauty over into the corner. Who's catching it? Dalton Schultz. I mean, he's going to be a red zone weapon. He's going to be a guy that moves the chains. And for Dalton Schultz, dude, get open as much as possible because you're on a one-year deal. Go out there and make yourself a super valuable tight end so that next offseason, maybe the tight end market's a bit more normal. It's not this weird tight end market we had this year. And – everybody's trying to get them a piece of Dalton Schultz or play really well. And the Texans extend you in the middle of the season. So I like Schultz. Uh, I trust him. I found myself selecting him as sort of the second tight end. Um, or maybe if you're just not a big tight end fan, maybe he's your top tight end and you got some maybes after him. I found myself picking him a bunch in best ball drafts just because I believe he's going to get opportunities. Stroud's going to find him. And the way the offense is going to focus on tight ends, uh, Schultz is certainly there. Well, you mentioned just about everybody on the roster short of uh, Joel Dreesen and Kevin Walter here. Um, <laughs> but I've been Tell asking – oh, yeah, Joel Dreesen, by the way. The guy who let, – let, Owen Daniels would have been one of the all-time greatest fantasy tight ends if Joel Dreesen did not exist because, like, Dreesen would come in and steal all of his touchdowns. Yep, yep, yep. So, oh, uh, 
Well, throwback name, Joel Dreesen, man. Oh, for sure. Uh, anyway, um, I have been asking all of my guests, Cody, to name a player maybe under the radar who might be able to make a fantasy impact um, in the 2023 season. There is a name you have for the Texans, and you have not brought him up yet. Who is it? Tegan Quateriano. And you're like, who in the heck is that? The, the, the director? No, that's Quentin Tarantino. Tegan Quateriano is such an interesting player for this organization right now. He was a fifth-round pick in the NFL draft. He was hurt basically all of mandatory minicamp, and he was hurt throughout a good portion of the regular season. But you could see, okay, there's a little athleticism here. Like, this is a guy who's a big guy. He's heavy. He's pretty strong. This is a guy that, okay, you could see him be on the field. You could get him on the field. You could put him on the field a few different times. And he played a couple of games down the stretch, and he looked like a capable NFL tight end. And the Texans haven't always had three capable NFL tight ends. Then you show up to minicamp, and I was like, who's that? I was like, oh, that's Tegan Quateriano. I'm a big minicamp and training camp. I'm a big body guy. Who changed their body? Who looks different? Tegan Quateriano looks like he watched that Arnold documentary and hit the gym a bunch. A lot of that baby fat that rookies sometimes have, it's gone. And the athleticism is really clear. I'd venture to say from the size, speed, athleticism combination, he's probably the most athletic tight end the Texans have. And he's strong. They're going to put him on the field in two tight end sets. And this is a guy that could be that vulture in the red zone. He had a he had a beautiful route that if he could just fine-tune the tight end spot, he had a beautiful route in minicamp that he just turned the wrong way. And it's like, that's just got to get – that's reps. He gets those reps. He fine-tunes the route running. He may have something. Now, this is, again, again it's a fifth-round guy who is in his second year, who didn't play a ton last year. So he's basically still a rookie. I know he's got a little experience under his belt, but he hadn't played a ton. But this is a guy with the athleticism, improvement of his body, the opportunity in the offense, and the uncertainty on some different positions from the wide receiver spot. Tegan Quateriano is a guy, it's deep leagues, you got to have him because he could easily take over if Schultz is hurt or banged up. And then he's maybe a very, very good flyer that uh, you look up at the end of the year, uh, four, five, six touchdowns because he vultured a few from this offense because they decided to throw on the goal line instead of hand it to Damian Pierce or throw it to one of these wide receivers. You can tell how excited Cody Stutz is to talk about the Houston Texans. Might have sounded like a funeral on last year's program. I just remember <laughs> him being very good at talking Texans. It's a celebration down there in Houston uh, with the Texans. Obviously, the Astros are uh, are um, uh, the, the defending, defending world the de- reigning defending world champions without any scandal on this one. By the way, oh uh, yeah, I'm a Phillies <laughs> fan, so I'm so I'm well aware. Oh, uh, sorry. And the Rockets are. There's something right there. They got. I, they got I, I, I hear there's a draft this week or something. Yes. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the, the Rockets, uh, they were praying for Victor. They're going to end with an amen on accident, though. Yeah. And, yeah. Victor uh, get, gets to the. the why did the, how do the Spurs win every lottery, by the way? I, I don't. That, I mean, that's a whole conspiracy theory hole that we would like to go down maybe a different time. <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll have you on. For, we'll have you on for uh, for our NBA conspiracy theory podcast <laughs> yeah, when, we, when we start one. But he is Cody Stutz. He is the host of the week. House every weekday, three to seven central on ESPN 97.5 Houston. He brings it like that for four hours. As a matter of fact, he literally just finished doing the show and then got on here and you're still fired up. So I, I appreciate you, Cody. Go get, go eat some damn dinner, man. 
I look. I had a little a uh, little protein bar to get jazzed up for this. I fired down a diet Mountain Dew. I was ready. It is not often. I've always been excited about this team, even during the really bad years. But to have the vibes that they have with this team, it is fun. And oh, oh, by the way, oh, by the way, you know the defense special teams. It might not be terrible to just you know. You know, late in the year when they kind of figure some things out, D'Amico got some veterans. Yep. The kicker that you know is uh, was pretty good last year. You know, defense special teams, they got some return guys. You know, maybe a flyer late in the year once they figure some things out too. Follow him on Twitter at Cody underscore Stutes. Thank you, Cody, so much for joining me. Uh, reach out to me, and I'll get you hooked up for those next couple subscriptions for the Fug- uh, the Fugazi Award. Anytime you want to talk Texans football, you oh. can find me, man. It's awesome. You guys do a great job. You're the best in the business. I love it. He gasses me up on my own podcast. I always struggle to to close these out, so I'll let you close with that, Cody. Thanks so much, man, and we'll talk to you soon. Anytime, man. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com. 